Good morning. It is so good to be in the Life Center. Uh, I feel so at home. Um, thank you so much for inviting me and letting me come. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, it's just been such a privilege to be a part of your journey. It's my third or fourth time to come and share with you. And uh, I'm very close with Bill and Tammy and with their son, Danny. I actually stayed with Danny last night. And uh, it is just a privilege to be back and to share my heart with you, to share my life with you. And for sure, also, as I've been here before, if you've heard me or followed me a little bit, thank you, thank you, thank you for all your prayers and support for all that God's called me to do. I currently am spending about 10 days in Lancaster, and I heard that there was an easy train to come in, and so that's why I, how I'm here. And so, yeah, it's just great to be in the city and great to be with you. You know, I grew up and I always heard that God was good. And as I got older, I realized there's a better way to say it, that God is really good. <laughs> and then life went on and I realized, okay, I can say it that way. But there's actually a better way to say it, that God is really, really good. <laughs> Deep theology. God is really, 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 really good. <laughs> the Christian life doesn't change. It's that simple and it's that beautiful. And yeah, I think we're going to just add another really until we get to heaven. <laughs> Tell your neighbor that God is really, 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 really good. <laughs> Ah, uh, and it's so what it means to follow Jesus. Yeah, I did bring my books. Um, I have them here. There's some out there. Many of you have maybe already read them. It's so funny to have a book. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I never thought I'd have a book. I grew up in Los Angeles, and the only thing I was ever good at was spacing out. <laughs> in fact, I still do at. Many people are always asking, Dan, where are you? <laughs> I tell them Danland. <laughs> it's a great place. Uh, you can go there every day, <laughs> and I got lots of friends there. And uh, you don't need a visa. And uh, yeah, there's no COVID. It's awesome. <laughs> so yeah. So if you come to me in college and go, yeah, Dan, you're going to write a book one day, I'm like, doubt it. <laughs> like about what? Spacing out for dummies? <laughs> now I got books. <laughs> And you know what it simply says is a simple, beautiful truth. When you give your life to Jesus, <laughs> watch out. Because <laughs> Jesus has more for us than we could ever dream or imagine. Why? Because that's who he is. So I brought my books. This is about when I was in prison in Iran. <laughs> don't want to ruin the ending, but I heard he gets out. <laughs> so, um, you know. And I got my second book, A Beautiful Way, about walking with Jesus. And then my latest book is how to my journey with fear. I've dealt with a lot of fear in my life. So I brought a few of those with me. But as we walk with Jesus, I realize the more and more I walk with him, broad, you know, very stretching out different things in our life, it gets so complicated, and yet... The Christian life is really, really simple. It really is. And in these days, it's only become more and more clear to me how wonderfully simple it is. 
He loves me, I get to love him back. <laughs> and that's so my journey. I felt today to just share you some of my journey in that and including some thoughts about even today. But yeah, it all started for me when I was 16. And a man came to my church and this is what he said. He said, everything you do for God needs to come from intimacy with God. And he said it over and over again. I thought, okay, it sounds good. But how do you get intimacy with God? How do you get intimacy with God like on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday when you're at the store, when you're shopping or at work? I didn't know. So I took the afternoon off. I found a river, and there was a river there in the mountains where we were having the retreat, and I started throwing rocks in the river. And I'm just kind of minding my own business, but I'm thinking about what he said. How do you get intimacy with God? And then a question pops into my mind. Hey, Dan, can I throw rocks with you? I'm like, what's that? So I kept thinking, how do you get, like, friendship with God? How does that go from some guy standing up front story to, like, my story? And then I heard it again. Hey, Dan, can I throw rocks with you? I'm like, what is that? So I kept throwing rocks. Like, how does it get real, like? on a not spiritual moment when you're doing the laundry or doing the dishes or walking to school or, or sitting at home. Then I heard it again. Hey, Dan, can I throw rocks with you? And I'm like, where is that coming from? And so I started to think about it. I'm like, I don't think it's, you know, from the devil, right? He wants to throw rocks at us, you know, <laughs> not with us. And I don't think it's me unless I'm going psycho. But it can't be God. No, God's out there, right? He's, he's big and he's great and he's really only interested that I do important things. And me throwing rocks is just so like, who cares? Like, why would he want to come down and do that? It's not important. So I kept throwing rocks, but I kept hearing it. Hey, Dan, can I throw rocks with you? So I finally stopped and like, Jesus, yes, if that's you, you can throw rocks with me. But why? Why do you want to? And that's when I felt Jesus look down from heaven and said this right to my heart. Because you want to. I'm like, that's it? He's like, that's it. And for the first time in my life, I discovered the unconditional love of God. You ever struggle with that? So many times in my life, I'm like, yeah, it's unconditional, but don't do that. Or it's unconditional, yeah, but I better do that. No, it is unconditional. Like there's nothing we can do in our entire life that will make God love us more than he loves us right now. On that day, I discovered that God likes me. <laughs> I didn't like myself. Why would God like me? On that day, I discovered he likes me. <laughs> Jesus likes us. <laughs> When you discover how much he likes you, things change. When you discover how much he loves you, things change. And as I discovered the love of God, what I didn't know is it would continue to change my life over and over and over again throughout my life. As I travel, I meet two kinds of Christians. Those that are living for the Father's approval and those that are living from the Father's approval. So many are like, if I just do a little bit more, God will love me. And those of us discover, no, we're in. He loves us, and we can live our whole life from that reality. 
What I didn't know when I discovered it is it would be a journey of discovering it again and again in my life. And my journey has looked like this. Many days waking up. Okay, Jesus, good morning. What should I do today? And Jesus says, Dan, <laughs> good to see you. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But first, here's more, my love. <laughs> and life goes on, and I'm like, okay, God, I know you love me. What, what should I do? And God's like, Dan, <laughs> good to see you. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But first, here's more, my love. <laughs> and life goes on, and like even these last nine months, you know, ah, <laughs> Waking up so many days, Jesus, what should I do? And Jesus is like, Dan, good to see you. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But first, here's more, my love. <laughs> like the love of God is an unending ocean. And the Christian life is to wake up every day and discover his love for you again and again and again. And we get to go to heaven. <laughs> I want to be a Christian. That sounds awesome. Uh, when I'm 90 years old, I want to be in an old people's home. I love those places. You get to be with your friends every day. You get to learn their name every day. Those places are the best. And when I'm 90, I think it's going to be like this. Okay, Jesus, good morning. What should I do? I think he'll be like, Dan, good to see you, buddy. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But first, here's more, my love. <laughs> and I began to discover the love of God. When you begin to discover the love of God, it takes over. It takes over your day. It takes over your mind. It takes over everything. As I began to discover the love of God, here's another way to say it. Like, what would you do if I offered you two things, $20 or $2,000, and you had to choose one? Which would you choose? <laughs> I hope it's 2000 <laughs> If not, we should talk. <laughs> now, when you take that 2000 are you going to worry about the 20 you didn't get? No. Why? Because what you got was so much better. And could it be that the Christian life is his invitation to discover Jesus again and again and again and again, that what we're missing or what we didn't get slowly fades in the light of his beauty, glory, and grace. That is the Christian life. Here's another way to say it. Like, what would we do right now if Jesus walked through the door? I would quit talking. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All of us would quit thinking about what we were thinking about this morning. All of us would quit thinking about this afternoon or tomorrow. All of a sudden, whatever was on our mind would slowly fade away. Why? Oh, it's Jesus. He's with us, friends. He's with us. And he invites us to know him again and again and again and again. Uh, what happens when you discover the love of God? Well, you discover his heart. And the simple Christian life begins to take over. He loves us. Then what do we do? Well, you begin to find his heart for others. And loving people becomes the natural overflow of discovering the love of God. And it stays and falls into such a wonderful journey of letting him love you and letting his love love others around you.
And that's been so my journey. My journey, God called me to Afghanistan, where I worked for 10 years. I fell in love with Muslims. <laughs> I love Muslims. Yeah, I love them so much. I'm so honored and blessed by God. I got to live among them and share the love of Jesus there. And then I went on this trip into Iran. Me and my friend, <clears throat> I've shared that story here before about how we went into Iran for a two-week visit to share the love of Jesus. And at the end, we got captured and taken into prison. We were put into prison cells, three by five meters, small little cells, no explanation. We were beaten every day for the first few weeks, me and my friend. I got two death sentences on my life, one for being a missionary, one for being a spy. And yet, it was in that place that I discovered the love of God again. It was in that place that I discovered his love for me again. And it was in that place I discovered his love for other people. One of the moments where I really discovered God's love for people came during those nine weeks. I was nine weeks in that cell. And I remember it was a process from the very first day of my interrogation. Again, a, a situation where I never knew what would happen to me whether I'd be there a while or be there the rest of my life. It was on that very first day <clears throat> of being in prison when I was beaten. I didn't know it as I was being beaten that I would get beaten by that day, same man every day for many, many weeks. But it was on that first day when he was beating me, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, Dan, I want to teach you to love your enemies. I'm like, not a good time. <laughs> Not a good time. And God says it again, Dan, I want to teach you to love your enemies. And all this injustice, all this justice stuff just filling my mind. Like, there's no way it's time to love him. No, no, this is totally wrong what he's doing. And then God said this, Dan, ask me what I think of him. And God changed the subject. I love when God changes the subject. Yes, I was on his heart, but also on his heart is everybody else all around us. And I looked up to Jesus at that moment. I wanted to fix the situation. God wanted me to be captured by something bigger and better. He wanted me to trust him. He wanted, him, he wanted me to trust my life into his hands, and he wanted to give me his heart for other people. I'm like, God, what do you think of this man? And God said this, he says, Dan, I love him, I love him. And I sat there as I got overwhelmed by the love of God, that God knew his name, God knew the name of his wife and his kids, and God had always loved him, and God was crazy in love with him. There was only just one challenge, and it was that he didn't know it yet. And I'm like, God, you really love him. He's like, more than you'll ever know, Dan, more than you'll ever know. And I'm like, God, change my heart, change my heart. And all glory to Jesus, he changed my heart. He changed my heart. As time went on, I'll never forget the last time I saw him. Every time I would see him, I would go into an interrogation room. Every time I would always start shaking because he would beat me again. But on that day, something happened. <laughs> all I can say is Jesus. And I looked at him and I said this, if I'm going to see you, sir, the rest of my life every day, 
let's become friends. He's like, what? I said, yeah, we see each other every day. Let's be friends. He's like, you're crazy. We will never be friends. I'm like, no, 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 sir. Let's change. Let's change. Let's become friends right now. He's like, we will never be friends. But something started to rise within me. The truth of who God is and what God wanted. I said, no, sir, today we become friends. And we can start by exchanging names. He never told me his name. That wasn't allowed. My name was 58 because that was the number of myself. And I stuck out my hand. I said, sir, we become friends today. And then I waited. And that's when he froze. Then he starts to shake. Then he starts to look around. <laughs> Just me and him in there. Then he took out his hand and he shook my hand. And he shook my hand. He wouldn't let go. As he wouldn't let go, tears started to fall down his face. And he looked at me and he said, Dan. And he called me by my name. He said, my name is Razak, which is a common Iranian name, and I would love to be your friend. There is no heart too hard for Jesus. He can change the hardest heart. He wiped the tears from his eyes. He's like, Dan, I'm so glad we're friends. And I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> He's like, Dan, I can't get you out. I said, I know that. He's like, I do have some authority in the prison. Do you want anything in the prison? I'm like, yeah, bigger room. <laughs> He's like, let me see what I can do. I've never seen that man again in my life. But that night, the night guards came and said, sir, we have orders to move you to a bigger room. And I knew that God had changed that man's heart. Because there's no heart too hard for Jesus. He's so, so good. He's so, so good. Yes, after nine weeks, <laughs> by his grace and mercy, I traveled with two passports, Swiss and American. My dad is Swiss. And through the Swiss having an embassy in Tehran, they were able to get me out. <laughs> and God delivered me. <laughs> As I continued to walk with God, I discovered his love for me again and again. It was four and a half years ago that I discovered in another radical way. It was through a moment of accident. What I would tell you right now is things that I have no memory of. Why? Because I have about four weeks of loss of memory from a damage to my brain. I was hiking in the mountains in Hawaii. There's little mountains there, very beautiful. And I tripped and I fell. And I fell about 60 feet. I was with my friends, my nephew and his buddy, and they didn't see the fall by the grace of God. They came around a corner, where's Dan? And they're looking around, they can't see me. And there, and they look down, and at the bottom of the ravine, they see me. They see my legs, but no movement as they yell my name. They run down to see me. I had cracked my head open from here to here. Blood was gushing out. They had no idea if I was alive or dead. Next miracle was my nephew decides to hold my head together to try to keep blood in, not knowing if I was alive or not. The other friend had to run five miles just to find a helicopter or a way to get a rescue. An hour later, a rescue comes with a helicopter dropping a basket. 
And as we get pulled up, they take me to the airport. Islands of Hawaii are different kinds, but they don't always have the same medical facilities. So I had to get flown to the main island, Honolulu, Oahu, where I was brought into brain uh, surgery for my cerebellum, for my head. After five hours of surgery, the surgeon walks out and says, we're so, so sorry. He lost 65% of his blood, and he will not live, and he'll die tonight in his sleep. And I'm standing here today. <laughs> That's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. could tell you so many stories of God's miracles. Seven miracles, they say, happened in my life to being standing here today. I was unconscious for two weeks, and then I started twitching. As I started twitching, and the thought that I might live became real to the doctors, they said, if he lives, he'll be a vegetable the rest of his life. That's the only option for the type of injury I had. But so many miracles of God slowly getting me better and better, which led to rehab. And it was there in rehab that I discovered the love of God in the most deepest of ways in my life. I get to rehab, it was in Colorado. All I know is I'll be there for a minimum of nine months. All I know is I'll be a vegetable or a quadriplegic the rest of my life. I was fully paralyzed in my legs. I'm fully paralyzed on this side, fully paralyzed in my face. I broke a bunch of nerves in my face, including my eyelid, and I was blind in my left eye. I had absolutely nothing. I couldn't talk, I couldn't move my face. And there I was, and this was the rest of my life. And all I know is I will live like this, lying in a bed, the rest of my life. And what I had to do is I had to find God. Where was God? God was there, yeah, when life was okay, but this? Where was he? I'll never walk again. I'll never do anything again. And man, I was stuck, I was stuck. I didn't know what to do. Here I was in this new situation. Walking with God had changed. Walking with God wasn't this beautiful journey I'd had. And now I have nothing. And this is going to last the rest of my life. And I knew what I needed was a bigger picture of God. And I didn't know how to get it. So for me, it was worship. So I just started worshiping Jesus. And I just started worshiping five, six hours a day. I had to get my mind off my circumstances. I had to get my mind out of what I was thinking about or what was coming into my head. I wanted my life to be run by heaven. I wanted my life to be run by heaven, not by this earth. And I didn't know how to do it. And it was so hard at first. I would start worshiping Jesus. I'm like, yeah, but I'll never walk again. Start worshiping Jesus. Yeah, but I'll never talk again. Yeah, I started worshiping Jesus, but I'll never have anything good happen to me again. And I switched back. And no, 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 let's worship. No, 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 I need to worship. And I would switch, switch, switch back to worship. And over time, I started to see peace started to rise in my soul. I started to see joy started to rise in my soul. And over the period of a couple of weeks, all of a sudden, as I got totally immersed in the character of God, things changed. Things change in my heart. I was still not going to walk again. I was still never going to see again. I was still never going to talk. I didn't care. I had Jesus. And Jesus became bigger in my eyes. And I discovered the love of God again. 
the love of God was not just about everything working out. No, the love of God is he's that good. He's that good. And as I gave up control of my life and how it would look and how I wanted it to look, the peace and joy of God started to grow. And it's almost as if I gave God freedom to do miracles. And seven miracles started to happen. Now I run. I ran a half marathon this year. <clears throat> I travel and talk all over the world. I laugh. I get mad. I live. <laughs> when you bust your cerebellum, it's like you're becoming a baby. You lose all your motor skills. You're like learning to live again. And today I'm doing everything I did before. All glory to Jesus. But I had to let him be in charge. I had to let him win my heart again. I had to let him be the one that I wanted. Oh, that we would live before the audience of one. There is such a distraction today for us not to live before the audience of one. He invites us to live before the audience of one. That we be consumed by him. And the more I get consumed by him, it's not only beautiful, but it makes me realize I was made for that. That's why I was made. And it changed my life. A year after my accident, as I was getting better, I had to go back for my final time to see the original surgeon. I had no idea who the original surgeon was. I went back. I found him back to Honolulu. As I walked into his office, Dr. Graham, 61-year-old neurosurgeon from St. Louis, he starts crying. I'm like, what's going on? He looks at me and goes, Dan, this is a day of great joy. I operate on many, many people, and they don't make it. When you came in, I knew you were one of those that wouldn't make it. And then I heard, I heard you were still alive. And I knew that if this man lives, he will be a vegetable the rest of his life. He'll never move and talk and move. He'll lie in a bed his whole life. That's as good as it can get. He's like, Dan, this is a day of great joy. I know you believe in God. Keep believing in God because you're not supposed to be here. <laughs> That's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. He's so good. He's so good, and he delivered me. And today I do everything I used to. Yeah, and I run around the world. I left rehab 28 meds a day. And within a few weeks, they said, you can go to zero meds a day. <laughs> yeah, total miracle. That's who Jesus is. Oh, I love walking with Jesus. I love walking with Jesus. He's so good. And now this year, the year that we've all had to face, is a crazy year. I guess it's last year now. <laughs> uh, I guess there was a January 1st. But yeah, what do we do? What do we do with this whole world that's gone upside down? I travel and speak a lot about 70, 80% of the year. In the middle of March, I'm in Texas speaking and everything shuts down. I had to cancel 16 speaking engagements. And my life, like everybody's life, is upside down. And I didn't know what to do. And Jesus kept saying to me, he's like, Dan, I'm still here. I'm like, okay, yeah, I know that, but I need to figure this out. 
See, and God brought me back to what happened when I threw rocks. He brought me back to what I had to discover during my time of imprisonment, during my accident. He brought me back, and I discovered Jesus again. I fell in love with him. It was beautiful. As the year went on, there was uh, finally getting back to Hawaii where I live. Youth with the Mission, I'm with Youth with the Mission. We have our big training center there. That's where I live. They've been very <clears throat> slow on coming back as well, as many places have been. I came in August, had to do a two-week quarantine. <laughs> and as I came out of that, I was starting to think about my fall. My fall is always a time of a lot of traveling and speaking in schools. And I remember uh, that God, you know, has actually led me to make the plan for the year back in January. Interesting, it was back in January before there we knew what we know now. <laughs> and so there I was in August as I looked to the fall of traveling, and I thought, okay, I guess I'm not traveling. And God's like, why not? I'm like, well, everyone says you can't travel right now, and you can't do all this stuff. And God's like, oh, so you think I was lying when I gave you the schedule? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, oh, so, yeah, I know things, but I didn't know about this. I'm like, no, 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 no. And I realized that there was a tug of war in my heart on worrying what people thought, worrying what I could do, and following Jesus. And I simply resolved, God, I want to follow you like I've always followed you. I want to keep it simple. I wake up and do what you say, and I go to bed. <laughs> ah. And God's like, amen. <clears throat> I don't want circumstances around my life. So I woke up the next day. I'm like, Jesus, what do I do? He's like, Dan, good to see you. We'll talk about that later. But first, here's more, my love. And the schedule for the fall started to come together. And again, no glory to Dan at all. And I honor, honor, honor everybody's choices of how God's led them this fall. But I had a prearranged schedule to travel to six nations and nine states and teach. I researched everything I could in terms of being very honoring. I can cancel whatever's best for you. They all wanted me, and I got to go to six countries and nine states. <clears throat> all glory to Jesus. <laughs> My friends are like, how do you do that? <laughs> oh, I could tell you so many stories of the goodness of God, of the goodness of God. It started end of September. I'm in Jacksonville, Florida for a prearranged over a year before church experience. They were able to come together as a church, and I was there speaking. On the Thursday, I had a flight to Dubai where we're running a school in Youth with a Mission, and they said I could come, but I had to have a 92-hour in advance uh, negative COVID test. And so I thought, okay, on Monday, I can go get it for the flight on Thursday. So on Monday, we run around Jacksonville, and there was no test at all of any sort. Uh, either they were missing or couldn't do it. We all know that journey of ups and downs of getting tests right now. And yeah, there was nothing. And I went to bed that night thinking, I guess I'm canceling the trip, because I, the, the plane was very direct. Unless you have it, we will not let you on the plane to Dubai. And as I go to bed, the Holy Spirit said, text my friend's daughter, who I knew well, Kathleen, who was the worship leader at the church and a good friend of mine. So I text her, and she's like, wait. And so she's like, call this number. Her name is Phyllis. 
So I called Phyllis. Hi, I'm Dan Bauman. Kathleen said to call you. She's like, oh, you need a, a test and you need a quick result. Um, I work at the Mayo Clinic, <laughs> like one of the top you know, medical facilities in America, and we have one in Jacksonville. You have an appointment at 3 o'clock, and you will get your results at 9 o'clock. <laughs> Go, God. <laughs> and it was negative. <laughs> I get on the plane to Dubai. As I get on the plane to Dubai, there's a change in Frankfurt, and they're very, you know, very by the book in Germany. <laughs> So I'm getting on the Lufthansa flight to Dubai, standing in a line, having to give our negative test results to the attendant. Two people in front of me had an American accent, and he gets to the counter. Uh, I'm sorry, sir. Your test is too old. We will not allow you on the plane. I'm like, okay. The guy in front of me goes to the counter. I'm sorry, sir. Uh, you got the wrong test. I'm like, I'm the next guy. I'm not going to Dubai. <laughs> I give it to the guy at the counter. He's like, welcome and have fun in Dubai. <laughs> I'm like, I land in Dubai and it is free and open. There's no sign of any. They're just wanting to come back to life. Had a great week of sharing. Everyone was just so excited that someone came to say hi. Someone came to love on them. And it was such a privilege. As I flew back, I had a 12-hour layover in Washington, D.C. on a connecting to another speaking engagement in Nashville, Tennessee. I arrive in D.C. at 7 in the morning, have a connecting flight at 7 in the evening. As I land in D.C., the Holy Spirit says, get to Nashville earlier. I'm like, okay. So I look on United, and sure enough, there was nothing direct earlier, <laughs> as we know. A lot of flights are no longer in existence today. <laughs> Lord, help the airlines. <laughs> uh, but United did have one via Chicago. So I did. It would get me to Nashville a little bit earlier, so I did it. So I'm on the Chicago to Nashville flight, a flight I'm not supposed to be on originally. As I sit down, walk into my chair, as I sit down, the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, Dan, give your, your book and your bag to the stewardess. I'm like, okay, I don't even know what's in my bag. I don't look, you know, I should, but. Anyway, I looked, and there was only my second book, A Beautiful Way About Walking with Jesus. So I'm looking at my book, and the Holy Spirit said, give it to the stewardess. So she walks by me. As she walks by me, I said, excuse me, can I tell, ask you a question? She's like, Sure. I said, well, I'm a follower of Jesus. She said, oh, I am too. I'm like, okay, I thought so. I've written a few books about walking with Jesus, and I'm not supposed to be on this plane. And I just sat down, and the Holy Spirit said to give you the second book. It's called Walking with Jesus and a Beautiful Way. And it's, I felt like the Holy Spirit wants you to know, ma'am, that you're right in the right place, you're doing right the right thing, that Jesus is for you, he's with you, and he's so excited about who you are and what you're doing. And she's standing there and she's weeping. I'm like, what's going on? She's like, sir, I woke up this morning and I told God, am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? I just need confirmation that you're with me and that you care, and now you're doing this and giving me your book. Ha <laughs> ha! 
She walks away, and the lady across the aisle, she starts weeping. <laughs> and she's like, I got to talk to you. And I'm like, talk? She's like, you know God different than I know God. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, I've been a Christian for 20 years, but what you told that lady is a description of a God that really likes me and loves me, and I've never known that kind of a God. Can you tell me? I said, sure. Ha <laughs> ha. Revival on United. <laughs> and it doesn't happen if I don't simply yield to the simple Holy Spirit nudging, get earlier to Nashville. So many times during these days, the Holy Spirit has nudged me one way or the other. He's not on vacation. <laughs> he's not gone. No, he's not like waiting for this thing to end. No, no, no. Holy Spirit is alive and well. Yes, there are restrictions and things going on in our world, but man, he is alive and well. Oh, he's so good. He's so good. Uh, <clears throat> had a great time in Nashville sharing. I kept going. Ended up getting to, getting to Mexico where I got to share in our Youth with a Mission base. Youth with a Mission is growing. God bless. <laughs> I'm so excited. This whole lockdown time has been a time of like, oh, you know, so many people kind of coming to grips with their simple faith. And what do you do after you recommit your life to God is you're into missions. So YWAM's actually doing well. Ah, and it's, yeah, a lot of our schools had people in Mexico. They had 60 students all doing it the right way according to the government of Mexico. But it was so beautiful. They all went on outreach across Mexico. They're across Mexico right now, hitting all 20 states of Mexico, telling people about Jesus. Government rules. They couldn't leave Mexico. But oh my gosh, it's still going. Great time. I had the privilege to go to Brazil. Oh my goodness, you can't go to Brazil. Well, actually, you can. All the noise, you know. And yet, I'm like, God, God, God. like, get on the plane. So I get on the plane, I get to Brazil, and there's no noise. <laughs> no one's worried about life, and yes, there's been a few cases, but we hear that there's been tons of cases. No, it's not that been a ton. And YWAM had 160 students, and they're all on outreach today all across Brazil. 60 staff, 160 students. So God is moving. He's moving. And then I had the privilege to go to Europe. And this was in November. I don't know if you knew or remember, but in November was an increase of spike and increase of lockdown time for Europe. So I kept saying, I can't go, I can't go. And God's like, go. I'm like, oh. <laughs> See, what I wanted to do so many times in the last many months is follow my heart, follow my like voices I'm hearing, make it sound easier. What Jesus wanted was that I follow him. Was that I follow him. Nothing's changed. Simple Christianity is still beautiful. Simple Christianity. <laughs> so I went to Europe. One of the parts of going to Europe was going to Greece. We have a brand new DTS down there. We had 15 students in Lesbos, the island closest to Turkey, which is the island that has been the biggest uh, amount of people coming from refugees from the ISIS crisis about five years ago. It still continues to happen. 
uh, one camp, five to 6,000 people. It was the one uh, that they were connected to. Again, mostly refugees coming from the Middle East. I get down there on a Monday. The school leader said, I'm sorry, Dan, with the lockdown here in Greece, it has affected Europe as well. Yeah, we are not allowed to leave the house the week. I said, that's okay, it's okay. Uh, and I go to bed, and the Holy Spirit says, oh, you're going to leave the house every day. <laughs> I'm like, well, he says I can. He's like, okay, okay, don't worry. You'll see. <laughs> First day, I'm, I'm teaching. As I'm teaching, this lady comes in, wonderful connection in my life with the Korean community. There was a group of Koreans there in Lesbos that were working, and I knew I couldn't see them. One of their workers come. She walks up to me after the meeting with the leader that I'm submitted to there, and she says, oh, you're coming with me for lunch, and we're going to go to our people. And I look at him, and he's like, okay, go, go, go. <laughs> Drive an hour and a half across the island, so I got to see the island. <laughs> The next day was the day where that they had already scheduled for the school to work in a refugee camp. They did it every Tuesday. And I heard that over half, over 4,000 people were Afghans. I lived in Afghanistan 10 years. I speak the language. I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to go, I want to go. And he said, yeah, I'm sorry, Dan. It takes two weeks to get permission from uh, the Euro Relief, the overriding group that runs all the volunteer workers and so there's no way you're going to get to go tomorrow with, our, with the school. I said, okay, can you, can you try? He's like, I don't know. I said, pray. <laughs> he knocks on my door in five minutes. He's like, uh, I prayed. God said, call the guy in charge. And they're giving a one-time pass for a guest. You'll have it at 8 in the morning. <laughs> I get into the refugee camp. Incredibly hard circumstances. Tents no bigger than, than this, this area here where there's a curtain in the middle, two families of five in this specific area. No running water, no food. They have to go out and get the food. No toilets. And this is their life for thousands and thousands. They get there as refugees, and they're in, in submission to the Greek government if and when they could get placed into either a Western European nation or America or Canada or somewhere else. And all of them are on a one to two year, three year journey. It's just very, very hard. I went directly over to the Afghan area. There's <clears throat> over 4,000 Afghans. I got invited to a home. I started speaking with them in the local language. I felt so at home. As I'm speaking with them in the local language, they're like, do you know Jesus? I'm like, yeah. They're like, oh, we do too. <laughs> I'm like, tell me your story. They said, oh, we came here and we had nothing and we heard about Jesus and we all gave our lives to Jesus. I said, are there more? She's like, three to 500 Afghans have given their lives to Jesus. That's the biggest group of Afghans coming to Jesus in one place I ever heard of in my life. I lived in Afghanistan 10 years. Like, I've never heard of this. And we had the whole day laughing and talking about Jesus and God is moving. <laughs> and these people won my heart because they've given up so much. Their life is so much harder than we have it. And yet, they're so excited to follow Jesus. So excited to follow Jesus. What a privilege. What an honor. And I, I went on and on. <laughs> uh, 
I ended all my travels with one of our schools in Oregon. As I went, got to Oregon, uh, they said, how do you get back to Hawaii? I said, well, they, they require a 72-hour or less you know, COVID test, and I don't know. They said, yeah, well, there's nothing available here. I said, okay, what do I do? They said, well, the only place we send people for tests is this place, and it takes at least seven days. I said, well, send me there. So I get there, and I get up to the nurse, and I said, I need an answer in two days because I have a flight. He said, sir, thanks for telling me. You'll have it in two days. <laughs> How does that work? I don't know. And I know it's not been, you know, everybody's journey. The ups and downs and ups and downs. But, man, I am more in love with Jesus than ever. I'm more in love with Jesus than ever. I wanted this fall just to sit and just, oh, I don't know, I don't know. The reality was is that God's like, no, we're going to continue with what I had told you to do. And the privilege and honor to love people, man, it's overwhelmed my heart. I think so much about those two ladies on that airplane. I'm so, so honored that I got to be a part of their journey with God. And as I think about our lives and I think about where God wants to take us, yeah, maybe life is hard. Yeah, maybe life is shut down. Maybe there are challenges. But, oh, man, the beauty of loving one person. Oh, the beauty of reaching out and caring for one. And the simplicity of the gospel has overwhelmed my heart. It's overwhelmed my heart. I get so excited. I get so excited to love Jesus and to love somebody around me. And it's overwhelming my heart because uh, God hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. I don't know the plans for this year. <clears throat> I'm in Lancaster right now actually working on a fourth book. Heard I could come here. My friends are like, yeah, come. And they wanted me to share over this weekend. I don't know what the future holds. Again, my journey has been January where I seek the Lord a lot for the future. But I do know this so clearly in my heart. I want to get overwhelmed by the audience of one. I want to be overwhelmed by the audience of one. I want to be overwhelmed by worshiping Jesus, overwhelmed by thinking about Jesus, overwhelmed by allowing, yeah, Colossians 3, 1, to just shine in my heart, to set my mind on things above where Christ is seated. I want to live there, and as I do, I'm so excited for what God wants to do on the earth, and whatever part I can play, whether it is, you know, in prayer, or if it is loving one person, or if I get to go and travel, it doesn't really matter, as long as I get to follow Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matthew 22, yeah, the Great Commission, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. God's invitation to us for 2021. <laughs> it's still there. And it's still real. And it's still beautiful. Amen. Amen. Thank you so, so much for letting me share my heart with you. Amen. If you're watching on Zoom, why don't you break into your groups? And just really share what the Holy Spirit's putting on your heart as you look to this new year. Yeah. Those of us here, why don't we just close our eyes and pray? Yeah, let's pray. Yeah, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. You're really, really good. You're really, really good. 
God, I'm sorry. There were moments where I didn't want to say you were really, really good over this last year. I'm sorry. You are still good. You are still good, God. Nothing has changed you. You're not forgetting. You're not gone. You're not, like, distant. No, you're with us. You're with us. And I just say, God, I want that. I want to walk with God. I want to walk with God. Yeah, we want to walk with you like we did a year, two, three years ago. But more than that, God, we want to simply walk with you. Yeah. Open our eyes, God, to know what it looks like again to live before the audience of one. Help us this year, God, to love you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. Help us, God, to reach out to our neighbor and love, love our neighbor as, as we love ourselves. Yeah. We give to you what the situation is. We give to you all the distractions. We give to you all the comments. We give to you all the noise. We give to you all this other stuff, and we simply want to walk with Jesus. Because you're really, really good. You're really good. You're really good, God. You haven't changed. You're really good. He's really good, friends. He's really good. I had the most fruitful October, November of my entire life. I've traveled around those two months for 15 years. The most fruitful was this last one. How does that work? I don't know. But the hunger wherever I went was so real. The hunger was so real. And it starts with us. That we would open our hearts again to let hunger be born of God. Why? Because he's that good. Because he's that good. And as the love of God begins to overtake our heart again and again, not just now, but tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning, Thursday, Wednesday afternoon, in the midst of routines, in the midst of life that's maybe changed a bit, God wants to overtake us. He wants to be a part of our life more than we could ever understand or believe or see. Because he's greater, he's greater, he's greater. And out of the discovery again of the love of God, he'll open so many doors for us to love somebody. We say yes to you, God, to that. We say yes to you. We say yes to you, God. We love you, Jesus.